Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet. As always, these episodes are a little more fun when we win. I was getting really tired of coming on here and having to be negative, and they lost this game, and here's everything they did wrong. The Avs come back home, and they win both games. They beat the Arizona Coyotes 4-3, to and they're fresh off of a 3-1 to win over the Vancouver Canucks, currently the top team in the NHL, and they've won two in a row. And all of a sudden, things feel a little better. The sun shines through the clouds a little brighter. The air feels a little crisper. Everyone's just a little more positive in the Avs fan base. And it's it's very refreshing. It's been a long two weeks. It was a long two weeks. I think we should make a petition that if you finish with the number one seed, uh, you don't have to play a single road game the entire playoffs. Yeah. I don't like playing on the road. I think yeah. I'm doing that this season. That sucks. I think we should get an exception. Right. Like we just play all of our games at home because this team is a different team on home ice. And I don't know. Are, are you tired of just hearing everyone talk about the elevation? Like these guys are professional athletes. I don't think elevation affects them as much as it affects you and me. Well, I mean, like it wasn't really a thing last year. Right. It's just it only seems to be a thing when a Denver team wins at home. Like all oh, the elevation. Right. Problem. Like these guys are some of the top 1% athletes in the world. I think they can handle a little bit above sea level, man. Like I just always, that whole rhetoric always just annoys like, me. The thing about that is like, are the athletes making this excuse or is, I feel like it only comes from like talking heads, like people online. Like I feel like I've seen very few athletes. There's a couple, but I feel like generally for the most part, it's just people making excuses for them. Correct. Correct. I, I just always find that rhetoric to be very annoying and we're on the heels of the Canucks game. The Canucks, I don't think we're affected by the altitude at all. They they played a great game, and the Avs were just better. Yeah. I mean, they got the saves they needed in this game. And the Canucks, to their credit, I mean, they got a 10 spot put up on them the day before against Minnesota, a 10-7 to loss. I don't think I've ever seen a scoreline like that in my life. They gave up, what was it, six 
third goal, third period goals or something. It was six. They had like four or five on threes they gave up. It was crazy. That that whole game was just weird. Yeah, ridiculous scoreline. And so I saw that and immediately went, okay, they're locking it the fuck down yeah. in this game against the Evs. And they did. To their credit, I thought Thatcher Demko was great. The second he started making all those saves in the first period, see, you knew that the Avs defense needed to be on their shit because not a lot was going to be getting by Thatcher Demko in this game, and not a lot did. It was only shots from, yeah, Ryan Johansson, of course, the guy we all expected to, to score the only two goals on a goalie in this game. Cleaning one up in front of the net, sniping one from distance. Look what happens when your your second line center does things. Does something. Does at least one thing in a game. And good for Ryan Johansson, man. The fact that he's at 13 goals, it just seems not real because he hasn't scored in what seems like forever. 20 games. 20 games, and he's still at 13 goals. If he gets to 20 goals this year, that'll be – the worst 20 goal season I think we will ever see. If he scores seven goals the rest of the season, pretty reasonable pace for a top six player, because that's what we're paying him to do. He'll have 20 goals on the season. Right now, Ryan Johansson is tied for fourth on the team with Logan O'Connor in goals at 13, which is a stat that if you told me out of context in September, I think I would have retired before the season started. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't think anyone like we all knew Logan O'Connor would be good, but we didn't think he'd be this good. And it's just so weird, man, with Ryan Johansson because he has games like this tonight against Vancouver. I thought he was genuinely really good like, I, in the first period. I thought he sucked again. <laughs> like there was the one play where like he just makes the complete wrong read on a puck and like starts leaving the zone as he could have chased down a puck. One like scoots by him on the blue line pretty easily, and I was rolling my eyes like, oh my. Fucking God, this guy. And then he just goes out and he gets a bit of a bounce off of a Jack Johnson shot, cleans up, which is where we pay him to be in front of the net. He cleans up in front of the net and just fires a shot from distance. It's so nice seeing an NHL player remember that they are a professional and can do things ever. And yeah, great to see Ryan Johansson have himself a night and be named first star and get a little bit of love. I bet that feels good for him. And increases trade value. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, I love someone responding to my tweets and they go, we may only have to attach a second rounder to him to get rid of him now. Yeah. But you know what? I'd be lying if I said that wasn't what I was thinking too. I was like, okay, sell high immediately. You can bring <laughs> this down and throw our 2026 second round pick instead of our first this year onto that trade and, and get away from it. Yeah, but he he, he played good. I did not expect him to be the main goal scorer in this game, but good for Ryan Johansson gets the vibes going, like you said. And overall, this game was just, I thought the abs looked good defensively. And then there were moments where the Canucks forecheck was just relentless tonight. And the abs turned the puck over countless times in this game in their own zone. But the difference in the game is Alexander Yuryev got the best of Thatcher Demko, which I don't think either of us had in our bingo card for tonight's game. Nope. I mean, the the first goal, the Canucks scored first in the game. They had JT Miller, who had a hat trick the night before, get behind the defense. I thought Georgiev could have had this one. It just trickled through him, and he responded very well. He shut it down for the rest of the night. Third period, one of his best periods of the entire season, without a doubt. That save he's making, sitting down, kicks his leg up in the air, keeping that puck out, 
you knew nothing was getting by him the rest of the night. That's the that's the kind of energy, confidence, the kind of sauce that he has not had for months this season. Months. And that's we've talked about before. That's the maddening part with Georgiev, man, because you know this type of performance is in him all the time, and he just hasn't been able to tap into it. Granted, the defense hasn't been great in front of him. But like you've said, I think 500 times on the show, you're a goalie. It's not going to be perfect for you. You are going to have to make unscripted saves and you're going to have to bail the team out. And that's what he did tonight. And I just hope he can find a way to keep this rolling for the rest of the regular season. Yeah. If if the abs get Georgiev going, it covers up a lot of problems. If you just get the occasional save. You don't even need this kind of performance where he gets 24 on 25. It'd be nice to get a 960 every single game. But if you're hovering around a 910, a 915, it covers up so many issues on this team. And the main problem with Georgiev is it just seems like he has trouble getting into games. We're starting a game. He just seems cold. And by the time he's warmed up, he's given up three to four goals already. And the Avs have to come and climb out of the hole and fight back. He only gives up one, and he warms up as the game goes on and stops everything the rest of the night. And he's able to eventually outduel, I'd say, the the runner-up for the Vesna in Thatcher Demko. Do you think he has it? I it's tough, man. I know Hellbook's having a great year. Demko has been the rock for Vancouver because who's more valuable as a goaltender to their team? Like you could make the case that Demko is. You can definitely make the case. It's a two horse race for the Vesna. If you're asking me to place a vote, I'm giving it to Hellebuck. But Demko has been outstanding in his own right. But Connor Hellebuck, I think at the same time, I mean, you look at what he's doing with the Jets this season. I mean, he went, what, a month or month and a half not giving up more than two goals in a game pretty gross yeah and he's his stats on the season he's a 925 which like that's a 940 this season this year that is a 940 dude i don't know i just think demko because the canucks when we first started there they were the luckiest pdo team of all time and demko was the biggest reason why so if you're a canucks fan who are i think very rational and not at all emotional oh canucks fans known for their just absolute rational judgment do not attack people. They don't light things on fire. No. They don't start riots. Like they, they yeah. would never do such a thing. If Demko loses the Vesna, I think they'll handle it very well. Yeah. I mean, Hellebuck stats are better in most categories. And I think it's just, it's a pretty clear cut. Hellebuck's number one. Demko is a very valiant number two. And number three is a just Joey Decor. <laughs> thanks for like, thanks for showing up kind of thing. Yeah, it might be really disrespectful because Jeremy Swayman's been really good this year, but yeah, he's been good. But I, it's tough because now Boston kind of has that stigma that the Abs have when it comes to MVPs, like their goalies they just get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, but to just wrap up on Georgiev, man, he he can do so many. He moves so well, and if you can just get nine twenty from him, nine twenty, I think this team can go really far in the playoffs. The problem is he's been nine hundred all year long. And you, you are happy if you've been getting 900. Yeah, if you can get 910, I, I've already changed my 910. This team's going to go far in the playoffs, man. Even just on nights where he's had a 900, the team has generally been in a position to win. That's that's how low my bar is right now. <laughs> just literally give them a chance, and they're going to carry you far. Even in a game like this, 
where both goals are coming from the whipping boy, Ryan Johansson, and you get nothing from McKinnon or McCarr or Ranton, and he's holding down the fort. And if you get a game from those guys again, where you're finishing the night with four to five goals, you just get a little bit of goaltending. Yep. You got a chance every single night with this lineup, and you add Val back into the mix okay. eventually. Whatever they end up doing at the trade deadline, I'm still not entirely sure what that is because every report seems to have a different idea. But even Dude, still, I I wanted to send you an Instagram one of just like all the players available to trade down, and every single one had the abs linked to them. Okay. And I was like, well, yeah, duh, every okay. like so the abs are linked to everyone. I'm gonna give you some homework, Christian. I need you to to go on Instagram, and I need you to gather all of like the Instagram trade proposals that you can find. And you're going to bring them to me next episode. And we're, okay. we're going to have a whole segment where you read them to me and I try not to stop the recording. Okay. I, I think that's a good assignment because uh, that's literally my entire like explore page. It's just abs trades. Yeah. I, I want just the absolute worst bottom of the barrel shit that you can find just from people who say they have a source, but are just absolutely guessing. It's my favorite content. I enjoy it too. Um, I've really enjoyed it, honestly, but uh, I'll keep looking. I'll, I'll, I'll find someone we'll report back as we get there. But uh, I, this team's close, man. They're so close to being a very good team. And I don't know, man, like I want to buy back into this team, but the I think that road trip's still just leaving such a sour taste in my mouth. Well, because here's my thing right now. It's like, okay, you want it home. That's my expectation. That's right. my R. I feel like I am not moved. Like I'm impressed with the way they won these games. The the Arizona game, which we'll talk about soon, was a very weird, squirrely game. A whole bunch of reviews, a whole bunch of goals called back that you were able to to get the better of and take care of a team that usually gives you trouble, even though they've lost 10 in a row, but you still took care of business. And Vancouver, yeah, they're on the second half of a back-to-back, but they did not play like it, and you you had to go and earn that win. That was a tough win you had to go and battle out. And everyone's favorite trope, the playoff-style atmosphere, that, that felt like a real thing in this game. Low scoring, two really good teams going at it. It felt like a real playoff-style kind of game, but they were at home. Now you got to go to Detroit on Thursday on the road and beat a decent team. This is not the Red Wings teams of the past where they're just you they're pretty much a guaranteed two points. They're fighting for their playoff lives right now. They really want to snap that drought. And even though it hasn't been a thing for a while, Sabs Red Wings. Like there's there's a little something there. It is crazy to think about because you're you were born in what 98, 99, 2000. You were born 2000 fucking A, man. You didn't even get to see the the joys of the Red Wings-Avs rivalry. It's a shame that this generation doesn't really get to see it because those were the two best games of the year every every year. Jesus Christ, you were born in 2000? What the fuck are we doing here, man? (laughs) Fuck. Um, It's it's very easy to remember my age. I know. I'm just – Jesus Christ, man. Um. What were we even going? Yeah, the, the Red Wings abs, it is always a, a fun environment. But what are you looking for? And I think what I'm just looking for in that game is just don't embarrass yourself. Like just play abs hockey and you will beat the Red Wings. Because the Red Wings are they're a fringe playoff team in the East. I think we've already talked about it in the East. The East isn't that good this year. No, they're not. I mean, the Red Wings are six, three, and one, their last ten. They beat Seattle on Monday in overtime. They shut out Calgary 5-0. 
lost to Vancouver, gave up eight to Edmonton, beat Vancouver in overtime. Like they're they're a decent team. Honestly, I think they could make it. I think they might get that final wild card spot, and they're a good team that you have to take seriously. But I'll bring back another of everyone's favorite hockey trope. Have a good road game. Good, low-scoring, take-the-energy-out-of-the-building kind of game. Like, I don't want another five-to-four kind of mess where Georgiev has another iffy night and the defense looks spotty. Just a good, solid outing. Like, you got these two wins in a row now. Build on it. You haven't been able to build on anything since before the All-Star break. If you can find a way to build on these wins and snap this this road, whatever you want to call it, this road mess and then come back home for two more games against good teams. You might you might be cooking a little bit. You might be cooking. They could be cooking a little bit. But my biggest takeaway from this Canucks game, uh, if you still criticize Sam Gerrard in any way, I, this just goes to show how in sync our brains are. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We both tweeted out similar things. I said, if you still think Sam Gerrard is a liability of this team, you're a dork. And I think you said anyone who talks trash about Sam Gerard is getting insta-blocked. We hadn't talked and that those tweets were sent out within a minute and a half of each other. Yeah, pretty much. If I if I ever catch anyone shit-talking Sam Gerard ever again, I swear to fucking God, I will stop being so polite. I am so <laughs> tired of people being like, Gerard has a turnover. And I see people being like, oh, Sam's back to being useless. Oh, that didn't take very long. I don't know what to tell you anymore. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have run out of the words to convince you that this guy is useful. If he was two inches taller, he'd be a fan favorite. The only thing that holds him back in some people's minds is his size. He was, again, fantastic in this game. That penalty kill in the third period, you're up a goal. Lekkanen takes a tripping penalty, one of your best penalty killers off the ice. Sam Gerrard has a monstrous penalty kill. Chases JT Miller down in the corner, digs that puck free, sends it all the way down, and ends the game. The game was entirely over after that penalty kill. He has come back a different man this season. He took responsibility for himself, and he has come back just a way better player i have nothing but love for sam gerard and he's going to be here for several more years down the line people who are counting down that contract you're going to be disappointed because they're going to re-sign him and gerard is going to be here for a long time and i hope that upsets you <laughs> bednar even said it after the game he said this is the best he's ever seen sam gerard play and i thought it was very indicative that penalty kill the abs had a chance to match the line and put out Taves and McCarr and they went with Manson and Gerard. And I thought that was a little bit strange. And then you watch that penalty kill and you go, Oh, that's right. That's why Jared Bednar is a thousand times smarter than I'll ever be at hockey. Yeah, Sam Gerard has been the penalty kill guy. Yeah. He, like even last year when people were criticizing his play, he's been that guy on this team. He is one of the best penalty killers on this entire roster from top to bottom. It's not even questionable. It's not questionable. And I, I loved that call by Bednar and Nolan Pratt because they saw something we didn't. And that penalty kill by Sam Gerrard was just flawless. You couldn't find a flaw in that penalty kill by Sam Gerrard and Josh Manson. And I just, it's so weird and how, how fast things can change when it comes to rhetoric for players, because Sam Gerrard last year, everyone's like, Oh, fuck this guy. And now all of a sudden you're just, he's not going anywhere. 
he is a top four defenseman for this team for the next five to six years, and he's not leaving anytime soon. He is exactly what you want from a second pair defenseman. This is always what we've said about Sam Gerrard. Even when he was playing beneath Bo and playing on the third pair, I was like, you have a second pair guy on your third pair. That does not make him a third pair quality defenseman. He's just got so many good people in front of him. And there were more flaws to his game in the past that a lot of people very politely and calmly would point out during games and they weren't always wrong i mean we were on here at times last season and then the off season being like yeah i don't know like he's good but with the five million bucks and the hole he got at second line center right now is that really worth it this season he has proved beyond any sort of reasonable doubt that five million dollars for what you are getting out of him is a steal and yes. the fact that you not only have that and it's not really expiring anytime soon it's four years left I think it's three or four years left. We're either halfway through the contract or just barely over halfway through. I can very quickly find out. Yeah, you have three years left after this at $5 million for a quality second pair defenseman that eats minutes, kills penalties, has puck moving ability, can be a threat in the offensive zone if if the defense gives him enough time. He can be dangerous for $5 million. You're not getting better value than that. I'm so happy that he has just completely turned his game around. Well, and I think that's the most impressive part is because when he came here, he was an offensive defenseman. His defensive play has surpassed his offensive abilities, and that's not a bad thing. The Avs have enough offensive defensemen. They do, let's be honest. Sam Gerrard still has that ability in him, but what he's been able to do is transform himself into a good penalty-killing defenseman and a great second-pair guy who's going to be responsible defensively, get pucks out, and use his speed to create chances. And the change from when he got here, I think he got here as an 18- or 19-year-old to where he is now, it's a testament to Sam Gerrard realizing, hey, we got Kale McCarr on this team. I don't need to rely heavily on my offense as a defenseman. I can just be a really fucking good defenseman, and that's what he's become. Yeah, this is his eighth season in the NHL. He's 25 years old, and he has been around for eight seasons. I mean, we really do forget. That was the Matt Duchesne trade, obviously. And he came here right away. No seasoning, no nothing. He has been an abs defenseman his entire time since he's been traded here. And Nolan Pratt, Sam Gerrard is his finest work. He has had his claws on Gerard for years and he has molded him into exactly what this team wants out of a defenseman and Sam Gerard this is the, my complaint with him last year is it seemed like he kept trying to be a defenseman that he's not and trying to be a more physical brand kind of player when that's just not what he is he is the kind of player that can stand at the blue line and dish the puck and knows his gaps has a great hockey IQ, but there was just always seeming to be this pressure on him that he needs to be the guy in the corner, cross-checking people into the boards kind of thing, and it didn't work. And you see the difference this year in the fact that he looks comfortable in his own skin, whether he has the puck or he's away from it, and you can see it perfectly on display in this penalty kill. He's in every passing lane, and he sees for a moment that JT Miller is vulnerable with that puck. He doesn't shove him into the boards. He strips him of it, and he's away from him in half a second, and that puck is down the ice. 
is the kind of thing that they have done with him. They have gotten rid of the hesitation, and that has turned Sam Gerrard into a significantly better player, and this team is all the better for it. Can you tell I'm happy about this? Uh, I, I, I gathered that. Yeah. <laughs> I gathered it. I, I think we both are. It's just that game was the perfect Sam Gerrard game. And he's played a lot of really good games lately too. Like they're just showing on the highlight package here. I forgot about that two on one. He broke up early in the first period with that dive. Like he, he took that straightly from EJ. So Sam Gerrard, great game, Josh Manson, great game. And the decor, I think really just stepped up as a whole in this game. Jack Johnson was great. Bo Byram, I thought was good. He, for him, for Bo after his past couple games, that were phenomenal. This was just an okay game, I thought, for him. And Kale McCarr is – it's crazy to think he hasn't had a point in like six or seven games now because he is still playing at a great level. He just can't find anyone to score for him or he can't score. But I thought the decor as a whole – I think we talked about it on the episode. The offense can do all they want in this game against Vancouver, but the defense is really where what's going to have to shine. And to hold this Vancouver team who scored seven goals in the previous game to only one, that's pretty damn good work. Yeah, it, that's fantastic work. And a team that would wants to wash the taste of that Minnesota game out of their mouth. Like that was a disaster to give up 10 goals in a game. They were up four to one in and lose 10 to seven. Like Vancouver really wanted to get that game back and they fought hard. The abs did not give them enough life in this game. They did not give them a ton to work with. And like, this is the kind of team that we've been missing over the last little while when they've even when they've been on their high-flying scoring benders and scoring four to five goals a game. And I forget exactly who tweeted it today, basically saying that of the 54 games that have been played so far this season, it was really just under half of them that the Avs have given up less than four goals. <laughs> That's actually crazy to think of. Yeah, like the, the defense and goaltending, goals against-wise, like it's been a mess for the most part this season. And so for them to to lock it down in this game and hold a team like Vancouver, who to this point this season has scored 213 goals, which is one more than the abs have. That's good stuff. Like that's something that you can work with. Well, you think about, did you hear Brock Besser's name at all tonight? Did you hear Elias Pedersen's name at all? Like it, it, that, they did a great job on those two guys. Yep. So really, really great game defensively. Uh, I want to pivot here. How concerned are you with the power play right now? It's it feels like we've gone past it just being bad. And now it's just it's in a really deep slump right now. And the power play goes through this at times. It's it's been a thing with this abs team that when the power play is hot, it can't stop scoring. It accidentally scores. You have it going in off of people's skates. And then when it gets cold, it they've just got nothing like there's just absolutely nothing that they can do. And you go back to the Tampa game, the one thing that worked is McKinnon just turning around and firing it with five seconds left on the power play along the boards, and Lekkonen is just there to clean it up. I think they just they need to get back to basics on the power play. What was the stat? They're two for 29 20. or that something. I two for 29, something like yeah. that. I thought it looked better in these past two games. Yeah, it did. I thought it looked better. It's just they just need one to go through and score once, and I think they're going to be back. It's just weird for a team with this much talent on that top power play unit to go this long in a rut. That's it's a little concerning, but like you said, power plays go through these types of ruts and they're, they're going to start scoring again. It's just 
maddening to watch because they had a chance in this Vancouver game on that power play to end the game essentially. And I don't really think they got really too close at all to scoring on that one. Yeah. That, that kind of felt like a waste opportunity. It's it's a lot of perimeter play. Teams are starting to really shadow more on McKinnon for the one-timer and everything. Just Rantanen hasn't been much of a threat on the power play lately. They, they've got to change something up. They've got to make it just a little little more unpredictable, a little more greasy, like utilize the guy in front of the net more, utilize the bumper slot, work a little more behind the net, just the constant triangle rotation. It's very easy to defend because everything is on the outside of the circles. And you're if you have a guy standing in front of between you and the goalie, you don't have a scoring chance. It doesn't matter how many times you cycle it between really good players. If they're not moving, then you're not going to generate all that much. And we've found that the power play works when the really good players start shooting it more. And when you have now a guy like Arturi Lekkanen back who can be a net front presence on the power play, it works really well for them. But I don't know. like It's going to figure itself out. I'm not super concerned about it carrying over into the playoffs. It's going to stabilize. There's going to come a point before the end of the season where they're genuinely operating at like 50% and scoring seemingly every single power play. That's just what this power play does. I mean, they're what still, still top 15. At the I moment. think they were eighth going into this game. I think they were eighth a couple of games ago and they've dropped a little bit, but there's definitely still at like top 13 or yeah. something. Like they're still up there. Like they're not up there, up there, but they've top 10 ish. And that came from somewhere that came from at some point in the season, they were scoring on the power play. They know how to do it. But this is just a really, really extreme hot and cold power play. And it is freezing cold right now. And you're not going to have a ton of success if you just constantly have to rely on five on five. And teams are figuring out that they really need to lock in on Nathan McKinnon. I love the fact we try and get Nathan McKinnon the puck as much as we do. And I've talked about past episodes. It has become increasingly obvious just how to defend that line. Branton and Drouin just need to start carrying the puck in the zone. You can't just hit the drop pass to McKinnon because here's the thing. This is in the NHL. Players can read that shit. And it's, I feel like that's been getting intercepted more and more just trying to force feed McKinnon. So I just Branton and Drouin just carry the puck in McKinnon will get there and he'll find a way to touch the puck. Cause he's one of the best players in the world. Just start carrying the puck in and stop trying to do these cross zone passes to Nathan McKinnon just to get him with a full head of speed. Yeah. Like he'll be fine. I mean, and McKinnon, 10 shots on goal in this yeah. game again. I mean, his point totals aren't what they were before the All-Star break, and he's fallen behind the, the Art Ross race a little bit. He's still going out there. He's still trying. It's just, for some reason, getting back up to speed at the moment. Th- the game's going to start slowing down for him again soon. But I, I think it was, I forget who tweeted, it might have been Abs Robin. <laughs> Nathan McKinnon, 10 shots on goal, zero goals. Ryan Johansson, two shots on goal, two goals. Like, that's just how hockey is sometimes. It's, it's a just the, the hockeyest of hockey, where yeah. Ryan Johansson gets a Jack Johnson shot off the boards into a wide-open cage and then just decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot this one, and it just goes in. Like It's, yep. it's just hockey. It's just what, what happens most of the time. McKinnon is 33 goals on the season and just hasn't been able to get a ton lately. It's just it's what happens over the course of an 82-game season. Now, I will ask you this. What did you think of Miko in this game? Ooh. I mean, I thought he was Miko. I, I don't think he was great. I don't think he was terrible. 
but that's not like my expectations for Miko are so much higher than just a passenger. I felt like he was kind of a passenger in this game and he didn't really offer much. Did he even have a shot on goal? I'm trying to, yeah, he hit the post once if I remember right. One shot on goal in 25 minutes. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, he, he, he was, was there. At, he was at the rink. <laughs> That's pretty much all I can say is my dog is just scratching herself on the, the chair right next to me, distracting me. He's just, he's in a funk too. I think he's very similar to the rest of this team right now. He's just kind of in a funk. Yeah, and I I didn't love his game in this one. I I haven't loved his game for a hot minute. We've talked about it plenty on the show. I mean, he has the turnover in the neutral zone, trying to make that backhand pass that led to the Canucks' only goal of the game. But he also set up McKinnon for the mini breakaway, like less than a minute into the game. But after that, he just didn't really have a, a ton. And I think a lot of the power play struggles kind of have to do with that at the moment. The fact that Ranton has just hasn't been a huge factor. And I don't know what it's going to take to to get him out of that funk, but he's just another piece that this team needs to to keep rolling with at the moment. I mean, we all know we all know what Miko Rantanen can be. I feel like it's almost the same conversation you have with Georgiev as you go back to last year and see just how good Miko Rantanen was, especially when they didn't have Nathan McKinnon for stretches of that season. And you know, Miko's still got seventy points. Probably was seventy one points now on the season in 57 games, probably still going to hit 40 goals. He's 11 goals back of that. He's going to get hot, probably going to end up with with 40-plus on the season. But it's the same conversation we've had for well over a month now, closer to two, is like, yeah, he's been good, but you know there is another level to his game that he discovered last season. Like, we did not go crazy. That happened last year. He had that season last year where you watched him do what he did and go, that's a top 10 player in the league. That is one of the best wingers in the NHL, arguably the best right winger in the league. And this year hasn't been that. It's still just funny you say 71 points, and it's like, yeah, he's been struggling. <laughs> but that, that that is the point. It's like, yeah, he's got 71 points, but you know that he yeah. should be up there, at least close to McKinnon. Like, yeah, yeah was he top 15 in points still? Like it's a very picky thing, but yeah. when we you, sound like snooty bitches right now, right. complaining that the guy was seventy-one points in fifty games, right? But when you watch Miko Rantanen, yeah. it it almost feels separate from his point total because you know there's another level yeah. that he can reach, and he's just so talented. He's probably still going to hit a hundred points anyway. Oh, he will. He will. He's going to hit it. I'm not super worried about it. He's he's just like a lot of the. A lot of the players on this team, once he gets out of the slump, he's going to go on that type of bender where he scores like 10 goals in 12 games. Like That's going to happen. The thing about this team right now is it's things are going okay at the moment outside of the road trip. They've gotten the two wins. They're still fighting for the top spot in the Central, and they're going to do that until the end of the season. There's still so many parts that feel like a sleeping giant oh, right yeah. now that have me like – I've fully acknowledging the flaws of this team and pointing out several things that have doomed teams in the past in the playoffs and like here's why they might not go on a long playoff run but then I look at Miko Rantanen's been good but he hasn't been great and we know there's another level to his game Kale McCarr we know there's another level to his game Val Nichushkin hasn't been on this team in over a month it's Alex been already it's yeah it's been over a month it's been like a month and a half at this point it's been longer than it was for Gerard 
Yes. And even getting back to my point, Georgiev, you see those flashes. Like, you know he can be that. And just the ultimate ace up the sleeve is like, Landeskog is on the ice a little bit more recently. And I'm not getting anyone's hope up for that. But it's just another thing up their sleeve right now. And the power play is just, you know, once it clicks, it's going to click. If everything comes together for this team, they make a couple of moves at the deadline. They get a second line center. We're going to, for Ryan Johansson's sake, he had two goals. We are going to refrain from that conversation today because he earned it. But if they'd make just a couple moves at the deadline, get a little bit better, there's a real, I think, sleeping giant to this team right now that I, I think is getting a little slept on, and deservedly so. They haven't won a ton lately. But there is still something here. They just get healthy, a little bit of help, and get some of these guys out of a slumber. They might scare some teams. Like They might go into the playoffs and have teams going like, fuck. We were really hoping these guys were going to sleep through the whole season. It's cautious optimism when it yeah. comes to this team right now, because like you said, this team has major flaws and they've shown themselves over and over throughout this season, but they are still the Colorado avalanche and they have just as much talent as anyone else in the league. And if they get hot at the right time, this team can win a Stanley cup. It's just caution. This cautious optimism is where I'm at with this team right now. Because I know that they can go win the cup, but I also know they could lose in the first round. Like there's really no in between for this team. Yeah, honestly, how many teams can you say that about this season? Probably almost every playoff team. Yeah. They could lose in the first round. They also have a path to the cup. Because the thing is, if the Abs win the cup this year, it could be a harder run than when oh. they won in 22. Because you're like, let's say they finish second match it up with Winnipeg in the first round. That's a tough matchup. Round two, probably matching up with Dallas. That's a tough matchup. Then whoever survives the Pacific Division, Vancouver, Vegas, Edmonton, maybe, maybe even L.A. If L.A. survives that, I'm terrified of them, first of all. Yeah, Anyone who survives that, I'm terrified of them. But whoever survives that, and we mentioned like Florida on the other side of the Eastern Conference, who I have coming out of the East, like that – that what they went through in 2022 was tough. That's tougher. Full stop. Without a doubt, it is. Without a doubt. And the biggest difference is the Avs don't have one of the greatest teams of all time. So. Right. And they don't have Nashville in the first round. <laughs> it's 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 going to be tough either way. But cautious optimism is where I'm at with this team. Uh, to close out on the Vancouver game, there was just one thing I wanted to ask you. When did Phil Perona get good? Last like, year. I know, but like I when that trade happened because they traded what a first for him. Yeah, they traded like a it was a pretty decent first. I think it was like twelfth or something. Oh, they traded the Islanders one they got for Horvat for him. Oh yeah, so it was what like seventeenth. Yeah, so I don't remember him being this good, and he was great in this game. And Quinn Hughes, say what you want about him, he's awesome to watch. Like he's fun to watch. He's a fun hockey player. Uh, not better than Kel McCarr, but he is a fun hockey player to watch. I That was my biggest. I was like, when did Phil Peronit turn into this? Because he sucked in Detroit. <laughs> well, the, his last year in Detroit, the year he got traded, he was genuinely excellent. And that's why he was able to fetch that return. And Quinn Hughes needed his Devontae's. Phil Peronit's his Devontae's. That, what they have in Vancouver is McCarr-Tay's light. Like, it's not as good, but that's what Quinn Hughes needed. And Heronic, honestly underratedly having one of the best seasons in the it, he's been great 
Because I was digging into his stats before we started. I was like, this Hironic guy's been all over the ice tonight. <laughs> Again, he plus could. minus. Plus minus is a flawed stat. But when you were a plus 36, there's something there. There's something there. And yeah, he, he's been great. He's been their version of Taze this year, which Quinn Hughes has really needed and has helped Hughes grow into the player that he's been this season. Yeah, I, I dog on Vancouver a lot. We all do. We, like, we all know they're going to flame out eventually, probably in the playoffs, have a PDO burnout. But like this team is good. They're yeah. good. Yeah, their shooting percentage is ridiculous. And Demko, even that Demko's a 918. Like he's not yeah. playing otherworldly. They're good, and they are a threat. They just have to face an, an axe row of murderers in the playoffs to actually do anything. Like, if they do win the West, like, they might get St. Louis, which I think they'll win, but I don't think that's a walkthrough series. I think it's five. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd give them six, just because St. Louis is squirrely. Then you get to the second round. We're talking Edmonton, Vegas on the other side. They survive that the Avs or the Stars on the other. Like, it's a tough row. It's just as tough as the Avs row to the Cup, where Vancouver might genuinely be really good and not frauds and just lose anyway, just because everyone's so good. Yeah. It, my I watch them, and I'm like, this team's not a joke. I, I don't think they're just, like, a very lucky team. They're, they're a genuinely good hockey team, and they are going to be a pain in the ass for whoever plays them. Right. Like, I don't think they're going to win this year, but I like what their management's doing. I like their idea this year of just like, hey, we if we've got lightning in a bottle, we're going to go for it. Yeah. We're going to get Elias Lindholm. We're going to get Zadorov, who I hope is okay. After he came the- back to the game. He was fine. Okay. But even then, sometimes guys come back, and that's, that's True. fine the day after the game once the adrenaline wears off. So hope he stays genuinely okay. But yeah, they got uh, Lindholm. They got Zadorov. Sounds like they're still sniffing around on some other guys before the deadline. And it's it's more fun when the Canucks are good, you know. Yeah. It, it's it'll be fun until they're too good and they're annoying, like the Oilers are now. So we're we're in the sweet, well we're in the sweet spot where the Canucks are not far enough removed from being shit and haven't been good for too long yet, so they're still likable. Give it two years and they will not be likable anymore. So we're gonna enjoy this while we're here. Yeah, we're gonna enjoy it, and also our boss is a Canucks fan, so it's we're, we're not gonna talk too much trash about them. Yeah, <laughs> probably should have been fired a couple of years ago. But yeah, yeah, probably should have been. But any other thoughts about this Canucks game before we move on to just the lunacy that was the Arizona Coyotes game? No, I genuinely think we got it all. It was just a good, solid, fun playoff style win, and hopefully something you can build on going into Detroit. Yep, agreed. Did you hear me? Did you freeze? I thought you were continuing that. Set. Oh, dude, I was going with it, man. It, it's late at night, guys. We're not used to recording this late. Uh, this yeah, Coyotes yeah. game. Um, complete, no, kind of just like that intro for the game. Just weird. Just a weird, weird game. There were, in the third period alone, three challenges, two challenges that took a combined 22 minutes, I believe. It's what it felt like. It was absurd. Yeah, a very weird game. I have never seen this many challenges in a game. I mean, you had two overturned goals, one on each side. I don't I can barely ever remember seeing something like that happen. The third period was such a drag with those challenges. Like the one that had the Canucks goal overturned, that was genuinely like a five minute review. Like, I think yeah, it's longer than that. Yeah, like it worked out in the Avs' favor, which is fine. But like, holy fuck, guys! 
if you can't figure it out, then fuck it. Like, throw your hands in the air. Like, yeah, it worked in the Avs' favor, and I'm happy about that, and they won the game because of it. But, my God. And then you had the going to commercial break, and then you had another penalty, and then they called a timeout. It was like, oh, my God, can we play the fucking <laughs> game, please? We were 30 minutes into the third period starting, and the five minutes had come off the clock. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. It was crazy. That was just one of the weirdest sequences of games I think I've ever I've ever watched. The Avs in this game, I think the best way to describe it was rusty uh, on home ice. I, I don't think they came out particularly great in this game. And we said the Coyotes are, they had lost like nine or 10 in a row coming into this. Yeah. But lost. they always played the Avs tough. Yeah. They always do. Arizona had lost eight in a row at that point. And then they go on to lose to Edmonton on Monday, which pushed their losing streak to 10 games in a row. And they will not play until the 25th. So it will have officially been over a month since their last win over Pittsburgh on January 22nd. But yeah, Arizona is a team that always plays you tough. You know this. We all know this. Every time we play the Coyotes, something stupid happens, whether it's them winning or some weird-ass game happening like this one, where I, like the Avs did not play great in this game. They needed a couple of things to, to go their way. And Georgiev was not his greatest performance in the game, but he, he made enough saves. The Avs, they were able to get a couple of things overturned. And they again, much like the Canucks, they had, they had to fight for this game. And honestly, I think sometimes those build your confidence more than just running a team out of the building. Whereas like they're trying, and they're trying to come into your building and beat you. It's a tough game. You had to go fight for to win, and you come out on top. And you feel good about it, especially after that road trip. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. The season is heating up for the Avalanche as they're past the All-Star break and getting closer to the playoffs every single day. So if you want to get yourself even more invested as the season reaches the home stretch, head to DraftKings Sportsbook now. And again, that's just five bucks and you can get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Again, new customers bet just five bucks on the NHL and 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. If you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Now, back to the episode. Especially after that road trip, man. This, I don't know. Like, I, this whole game just felt weird, like, Matt Dumba and Miko Ranson having like five fights, what it seemed like in the first period. The Avs went on the penalty kill three times in the first period, I believe. I believe it was three. Matt Dumba continues just to be an absolute nuisance to the Avs. And Miko Rantanen was not great in this game. I don't really think so. But you found a way to win. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this game is Jack Johnson fucking rules. That goal he scored to tie the game at two. Like I think the Coyotes were like, there's no way Jack Johnson's going to score here. There's no way. They gave Jack him a little too much respect. A on little that. too much space. And Jack Johnson came up clutch, man. 
Yeah, I mean, Jack Johnson, noted sniper. Can't give a player like that too much time. He's going to make you pay. Three goals for the year for Jack Johnson. I think his over-under was two and a half, so he cashed. Let's go. Love that, <laughs> Love that for Jack. But, I mean, overall, man, like, there's definitely some things they could fix. I thought they fixed them in this Canucks game. But a win's a win, and they just needed to see one go through the hoop. Yep. That's exactly what it was. I mean, it was not a pretty win by any stretch of the imagination. It was not against a good team. And even like you say, they just saw one go through the hoop. They got enough done to to get the job done in the game. And, you know, this was another game where Ryan Johansson, I thought it was fine. He's had, I was fine too. he's had two okay games in a row at this point. And we'll see what they end up doing with him at the trade deadline. But he's at least been passable lately. And like you said, Jack Johnson, just a beautiful goal. Like to his second best goal in an abs uniform outside of his first one. And even looking still at the, even in Vancouver, he has that shot off the board. Like he's picked himself up a couple little pretty batch of points over the last little bit. Yeah, he's got a point in this game against Vancouver tonight. Yeah. Dude, like Lawson Krause has 20 goals for the Coyotes. That is the first time I'm hearing that. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. I'm looking at it. I thought he was a center for a second. I was like, maybe, but he's he's a left winger. But yeah, he has he has 20 goals. Um I still think the Coyotes are like two or three years away from being an absolute fucking monster. Uh but they are still the Arizona Coyotes right now. Yeah. And I mean, they, they were fun for the start of the season, but they've had too many losing streaks. And like this is just the the nail in the coffin. They're falling out of the race. Now they're a bottom five team again. And they're going to get another crack at the lottery. Maybe this time they're going to get the the big guy that's going to officially turn this, this shithole around. But Dude, if they get Celebrini, that'd be a gross, gross forward core. <laughs> have the Coyotes, they've never won a lottery, have they? They've been in all of these lotteries and never won. That's weird. It would be cool. Like Macklin Celebrini with Cooley and Keller. That's that's a pretty dope forward core. Yeah, Barrett they, Hayden, Cooley, Keller. Eh, like they've got they've got a decent little prospect pool. Well, and then they drafted those two kids from uh Russia last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're they're gonna be a good team. Um I the only other thing I had in this game, like I thought teams only got one challenge a game, and the coyotes got to challenge twice. And I guess maybe I just wasn't paying attention to hockey. Maybe there's just never been a situation in the last four years I've been watching abs games where I've seen a team lose a challenge and be able to challenge again. That 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 came as a surprise to me. Yeah, I thought that's what it was too. I mean, I think it's if you lose the challenge, you lose your timeout, but you can still challenge. Right. So that's what I, I thought know. the whole point. Like it's it 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 kind of blew my mind when they were able to challenge for when the abs scored the four, three, one to take the, the lead, which Miko was clearly off sides again, the ref, I don't know what the fuck he's doing, how he misses that. Like that. Cause, Cause that's also my thing. We don't need to review this. He is offside. Just blow the play dead. Cause whilst we have a minute of zone time now that we have to completely wipe away yep. and act like that part of the game just never existed in the first place. Because you just like, yeah, the review will get it. If we miss it, the review is going to get it. It's going to be fine. If they don't score, who cares? Right. It's, it's, it's taking too much accountability off of the official's shoulders. It was like, if it's offside and you can fucking see it, call it. We call don't it. do this goddamn rigmarole. Yeah, that, that that was a surprise to me. 
Uh, Nathan McKinnon extended his point streak again. We didn't talk about that in the Vancouver game. He gets a last minute garbage time assist to, uh, to uh, extend his point streak to 27 games, which it is an impressive feat. We, I don't think we're talking enough about it just because it's been going on, but he has scored in every single home game. (laughs) That is absurd. Every time, every single time I see that stat, I just go, are you kidding me? Wayne Gretzky with 40 (laughs) in a row. I've said it before, but like, Oh, why can't we have anything? Well, I think they just need to take Wayne Gretzky out of the record books. Right. At a certain, at a certain point. There should be a a thing where it's just like it's Wayne Gretzky's number one. He's not included in the list. Like we all know it. Just McKinnon right now is the has the longest home point streak in in NHL history. You know what's gonna be funny? Forty games. Are you fucking kidding me? That's just that's just the entire season. Like, what's anyone supposed to do about that? Have you thought about this kind of like the way I think about it? Like, my dad was around when Gretzky was great. And I can still recall how great Wayne Gretzky is. But imagine when our kids are talking about it, they'll be like, oh, Wayne Gretzky wasn't that good. <laughs> like, he just people played do that back. now. Yeah, people, people unironically do that now. We're yeah. like, Wayne Gretzky, I mean, I do it. But even yeah. still, I do, just, it, I do it in a manner where it's like, Wayne Gretzky was shooting on plumbers. He was and, shooting on plumbers. And you look at the highlights and you're like, what is this goalie even trying to do here? Man? Like, Wayne, I will, I will make two separate arguments that Wayne Gretzky is the greatest North American team sport athlete, period, better than Michael Jordan, and also uh, was shooting on plumbers and was shooting slap shots on the ice from above the circles that would literally send goalies falling over themselves. Yes, it's the same way now because, like, that's kind of how I see Gordie Howe. I realize Gordie Howe is one of the greatest hockey players of all time, but you go back and watch and you're like, this is a different sport. Right. And when we have kids – I imagine when they're watching, they'll be like, yeah, this Wayne Gretzky guy wasn't that great. Like he just played in a terrible era of hockey. The the thing about Gretzky is, is like that is true, but everyone was playing in the same era and he has more assists than anyone has points. We we all know Wayne Gretzky's the greatest, but I just imagine in 30 years when our kids are sitting back and be like, this Wayne Gretzky guy had nothing. Connor Bedard and McDavid were way better than him. Yeah, it's like you dr- you drop Connor Bedard into the the 1980s. He yeah. has 500 goals, which I have yeah. unironically said about Ovechkin, and believe it, Stephen. Oh, Ovechkin would score in any era. Uh, yeah, Ove- just- Ovechkin would have had a blast in the 80s. Yeah. Ovechkin was built to play in the 80s. I think Connor Bedard would honestly die if he played in the 80s in the NHL. Yeah, o- Ovechkin was built to run people over and eat chicken parm before the game and, and score yeah. tricks. Like, I think well, he'd have a thousand goals. Yeah, it, it's just funny. And M- McKinnon, if I think if he gets to 35 games, that it's still not being talked about enough in the national media. But it was very funny just to... You're, I wasn't really concerned with the game for that Canucks game as much as I was like, get McKinnon to play <laughs> I was I was doing the same thing. Like once we got to the the middle of the second period, that's that's usually the point where I'm like, okay, can we do this? Let's now? get going here. Let's get it going here. We're starting to run out of time. And I was like, okay, we got a power play. We got half the period left in the third. He's still got the empty net situation. He's gonna be out there for that. And if yep. there is an empty net goal, McKinnon's probably gonna be at least setting someone up for. It. And that's exactly what happened. He found Lekkinen for it. And what were, what were we talking about in the Coyotes game? How did we get here? No, I don't. Well, because McKinnon scored a goal in the Coyotes game. He had the goal like he usually does against Arizona in this game. But yeah, uh, just getting back on track in Arizona just to move along past that game. Because again, just a very weird game, but good for the Avs to to see one go through for them. Georgiev 
was a 900 on the dot. In the hey, game. there we go. And a shocker, the Avs won. You know why? Because he didn't give up the fourth one. He did, but he didn't because it was offside. He was. I didn't think it was very good in this game. Yeah, I thought. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah. He left a lot to be desired. He made up for it with this Vancouver game. Really made up for it with this Vancouver game. I was really impressed with how he bounced back. And it's just we talked about it already this episode. Just nine ten, bro. Just give us nine ten, and we'll go out and win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, it's it's just going to be that simple. And also, you get scoring from your defensemen in this game. Jack Johnson, goal and assist. Byram to assist. Devontae's the game-winning goal. McKinnon with a goal. And you're just, again, you're you're feeling real good about this game right now. And also, good to see Ross Colton get on the score sheet, yep. too. He's up to 12 on the season. If he can get hot down the stretch, it would certainly take the brunt off of the, the center position. It would take the, the brunt off. And honestly, man... Uh... I am starting to get a little concerned with this Logan O'Connor um, injury uh, because this is what four straight games he's missed now, three yeah, or four. We're just in day-to-day hell with this right now where it's just like, is he back next game or is he back in 20 games? Right. Where you just, you don't have any good answers at the moment. He seemed like he was skating today before the game. He was a possibility, which to me suggests that he might be good to go against Detroit later this week. But you get Logan O'Connor back, that's going to be a big boost to your depth. Lekkonen's been just fine on that line with them because the Lekkonen's awesome. That's what he does. Yeah, but uh, I am getting a little concerned with the fact he has not played <laughs> because you, Logan O'Connor is very important to this team. I mean, so, all the guys you could be missing on this team. I mean, Landeskog, Nachushkin, O'Connor. I mean, my God. It's all your grit guys. <laughs> like, just all of your making life hell guys, net front guys, glue guys, just, oh, my God. That's, like, the fact that we have Lekkanen back is a yeah. blessing. The the irreplaceable guys. That, that's really where we're at with those guys being out. So, um, yeah, this Coyotes game happened three days ago by the time you're listening to this. Yeah, and, if you can't tell, I've forgotten most of it. Yeah, it was the Avs won, and that's really the important part. And Jack Johnson scored an awesome goal. And we didn't waste a Jack Johnson goal, which it's oh, wow. his first two. We didn't waste them. So I don't think I have anything else about that game. No, I'm ready to move off of that one because yep. I forgot most of it. And I, I don't feel <laughs> the need to keep exposing myself. Yeah, and we're approaching 1 a.m. East Coast time for Griffin. So oh, No, it is 1 a.m. It is 1 a.m. So, And we both have to work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, and I have to edit. Oh, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your service. Um, real quick, let's preview this Detroit game. We kind of gave a little bit of a preview of it. I think we're both on the same page. We just want a gritty game. Just play a good road game. Go out there and beat a team you should beat in Detroit and just win three to two. I'd be cool with that. Just win. Just I want I want to see the score kept down. Like I don't want to see super high scoring games. Unless the yeah, they're scoring eight, nine, ten goals. I don't give a shit. But if you can keep the Red Wings down to below three in this game, hold them to at least two goals, I think that would be great. Good for Georgiev's confidence. That's the big, the big thing I want to see in this game. If it is Georgiev playing, because we had Anandin coming as a surprise against Tampa. If it is Georgiev playing, the biggest thing I want to see is I want to see him have a great road game and have three straight games of 900. And we, we can work with that. From there, that's all I want to see. I'm. Gonna, I say they win it four to two. I like it. I, just go win a road game. That's really all I want. Just go win a fucking road game. Yeah, that's really all you need to do. If you can start winning on the road, it'll solve a bunch of problems. But correct, correct. What we've got uh, on the Avs 
for the yeah. moment. But Christian, uh, you've got a little bit of a crusade you've been fighting. I have been fighting a crusade. Um, yeah, the stadium series, which we'll talk about here in a second, uh, this past weekend was great. Uh, they announced the next stadium series is going to be Columbus versus Detroit in Columbus. And I cannot think of a worse outdoor game. This game is going to fucking suck. And I posted these thoughts on TikTok and got roasted by a lot of Blue Jackets fans in my comments. But the thing is, I still don't think I'm wrong. Like you ask a majority of NHL fans, this game is going to suck because the Blue Jackets suck. And the Red Wings, while they're kind of good right now, we don't know what they're going to be. This stadium series on top of the Winter Classic could be the two most underwhelming outdoor games the NHL has ever done. And it just goes to the point we've been saying, just get rid of outdoor games for like a year or two because the novelty's worn off. You, you say underwhelming outdoor games. That is very stiff competition. They're they're going to have to go up with some of the, the all-time stinkers of outdoor games. But I kind of agree with you. I know what they're trying to do. They've wanted to do this Columbus outdoor game at Ohio State Stadium for a long time. Like, they've been talking about forever. They've wanted to do it. It's just the problem is, is that the Blue Jackets fucking suck, and they're hard to sell, and I think they want to put the Red Wings back outdoors again. So they're like, all right, the Red Wings aren't shit now. The Blue Jackets might be okay next year. Let's just do this and stop wasting our time. But you have next year an outdoor stadium winter classic of a team that is probably going to finish last in the league. And yep. you're hoping they're going to get Macklin Silbrini to put with Connor Bedard. Then you can really sell them. And a Blues team that exists. They're there. They might a make 500 play. hockey team the best. They are. They do things sometimes. Probably one of the least marketable teams in the game right now. They play games. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a placeholder team right now. They're 500. They might make the playoffs. They might not. They're a team that is on your schedule sometimes, unless you're us and you hate them. But if you're anyone but the abs or the wild, you do not care about the blues. And then you have the Blue Jackets, who are one of the worst-run organizations in the league over the last couple of years, who finally fired their general manager and are a ways away from, I'd say, being back to good again. And Detroit, who's getting better. But it's just they're, they're pulling the trigger on this stuff too early. Yeah. The, these Will I still watch them? Probably, because yeah. they'll probably be the only games on. The, the thing is about the Columbus one is like it's going to sell out. It's yes. going to make a lot of money. But as someone watching on TV, I don't care. I'm not there. I'm not experiencing any of that. And the thing is, the stadium series between the Flyers and the Devils and the Rangers and the Islanders, great. Those were, those were great games, especially the Rangers and the Islanders. They could not have asked for a better game where they are jumping on each other's throats right away. There's a fight in the first two minutes. There's four goals in the third in the first period, three of them from the Islanders and the Rangers storm back late to tie it at five and overtime ends almost immediately. Like they could not have scripted a better game. That's what happens when you have good matchups, when you put rivalries on, which is what outdoor games should be. It should be, rivalries that sell themselves it should not just be we're trying to get it super marketable guys on the ice it should genuinely be 
Rangers Islanders type of rivalry like Boston Montreal should be out there again soon like Caps Penguins should be a thing not anymore but it should have been a thing more than once in the Crosby Ovechkin era and like the like the Western Conference rivalries as well like the Avalanche and the Wild should go outside at some point like th those should be the matchups that you're getting Blues Blackhawks is a rivalry but the Hawks suck right now and nobody cares about them at the moment so that doesn't make any sense to be doing. Can you imagine if Bedard gets hurt before that game and he doesn't play in the outdoor game? Which is a, a thing that could happen. They're yep. hanging an entire winter classic on one guy. Yep. Which is awesome. I get you're trying to market your guy. I don't have a problem with that, but the game sucks. <laughs> it does. It, I'm actually like, I'm not rooting for injury, but if Bedard did miss that game, I think the NHL would really hate itself because if Bedard's out, that's the one player that is worth watching in that game. Right. It's just, again, the, the outdoor games should be rivalries and you know what else they should do? Bring back the outdoor series. Yep. What they did at, is it, is it Lake Tahoe? Cause I Lake Tahoe. Yep, okay. you got, it. got it right. First time in show history. I got Lake Tahoe. You got it. Lake, they need to bring back the Lake Tahoe stuff. Like the outdoor, nothing but scenic game. That is television. Yeah, you're not going to make a ton of money off of the game. But if you market that right, like the MLB did with the Field of Dreams, people are going to watch it. And yep. you're going to have at least decent ratings with it because that makes it a unique television viewing experience beyond just, we're in a big fucking outdoor stadium for the 20th time with teams you don't really care about. It's just... Like, it, it even like Colorado versus Boston would kick ass in an outdoor game. I guess, but it's just like it's that's that's cool for us because we don't like Boston, but for the casual fan, they don't care. Yeah, I agree. It, it's just I saw that game and I was like, this is the most underwhelming stadium series I think I've seen since the Caps versus the Maple Leafs one. Like that right. game stunk. Like, right. And I had fun with that game. But yeah, you were there. Not only because I was there. Right. Was, like a team like the Leafs, they're the center of attention. Whether you like them or you hate them. People are going to fucking watch him if you put him on TV and you put him outside. If you put him against an, I don't know, an American team, I don't know. I can't name it. One it worked when they faced Detroit. Like, that was one of the best outdoor games. Right. Like, just if you put good rivalries on, good marketable matchups, the Winter, Clas Winter Classic is going to get better. And just putting it in the stadium for the sake of having it in that stadium. Which is a shithole, by the way. Like, it's one of the worst stadiums in sports. Like, it's literally the shape of a toilet. Like, it's literally a, a shitter. And it's, it's can you, just... Can you unfold your shirt a little bit? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm wearing my national championship shirt for Michigan. Uh, Ohio State hasn't done that in a while. <laughs> um, it, it's just, I, I get it. You want to do that. But Columbus fucking sucks, man. Like, they are so bad. And I just... At least Seattle this year. I didn't like the Seattle-Vegas one for the Winter Classic. I didn't like it. And the game stunk. It did. It was bad. It was a really bad game. Because the thing is, the Seattle-Vegas one, marketing-wise, turned out better than they could have hoped. Seattle made the playoffs and made a run. Vegas won the cup. And they were trying to build a Seattle fan base. And still no one watched it. Yeah. And the it game stunk. also sucked. And it, it, stunk. it was boring. And that's what these two games are going to be. They're going to stink. And it's just a real shame because they knocked it out of the park with the stadium series this year. They knocked it out of the park. I thought those two games were some of the best outdoor games we've seen in a very, very long time. 
I'd be fine doing that. Like it is, it makes it more of a weekend event. Like I kind of scheduled my weekend around Saturday night watching the outdoor game and then Sunday afternoon watching the outdoor game. The NHL does have to learn the sun exists and they did have yes, to push if, the start. Yeah, if I had a Sunday. dollar for every single time that the NHL has forgotten the sun existed for their outdoor games, I would have a concerning amount of fun. <laughs> I turned on the game and I was like, wait, this, it's supposed to start at one, right? They like, get so crazy. surprised every time that the sun comes out and they're like, wait, this sucks for the ice quality. This has happened five times. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wait a second. Did they not plan for the sun? Like, just, just say stop, you're going to start it. Stop planning day games. Stop, <laughs> stop planning games in the middle of the day. It was hilarious. I was like, wow, they will. They just can't learn a lesson when it comes to the sun. The sun is undefeated. It's literally like, a ball of fire. <laughs> I have been to two outdoor games, and one was in the day, one was at night. Can you guess which one got delayed because there was the sun and Wasn't they, that the one at like the national stadium and they had to flip sides yeah, and, the, then, and they had the to periods? flip sides. So they had a goalie in the shade for half the period and then in the sun for the other half of the period. <laughs> like, is there not a very obvious workaround here to just, just not play, do it during the day? Just play it at night. Just play it at night. <laughs> just the sun and the NHL rivalry that has been dominated by. You one. had an outdoor game delayed for eight and a half hours <laughs> and you sun. did it again. You played it during the day. That, I always love that Lake Tahoe game because Lake Tahoe is at elevation too, so the sun shines brighter up there. <laughs> so Apparently dude. none of the, the fucking astrophysicists at the NHL thought of that. Oh, dude, that cracks me up. But it's just I really enjoyed the stadium series this week. I I thought they were two really good games. High scoring. The ice seemed to hold up pretty well. And say what you want about MetLife Stadium, it's a shithole. Um, but it was full both days. I get with Jack. I cannot wait for the World Cup oh, to MetLife. I cannot wait for a Belgian to experience American stadium life where they yeah. go into a parking lot the size of a small city surrounded by nothing but traffic. I I need the scenes after whatever game is there and they're trying to leave. And they are stuck in traffic for genuinely World Cup traffic yeah. genuinely for six hours. Can't wait. Oh, it will sustain me for <laughs> weeks. Being so far away from that fucking mess. I am so excited for Europeans to experience New Jersey. I can't wait for it. And what a great spot for the world to view uh, Eyes on America. Just the shit show that is New you Jersey. You are getting just the best of the best. I'm yeah. so excited. Did you see, I, I like on TikTok, there were a couple of like fans who were like, yeah, it was cold outside. It's like, well, yeah, it's winter in New Jersey, in the Upper East Coast. It's going to be cold. Like, did you not plan for it to be cold going to watch an outdoor hockey game? An outdoor hockey game. Like, wow, it's really cold outside. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. I tell that to the Minnesota fans who, like, three years ago went to that, like, negative 40 game. So, I don't know. I like the jerseys. I thought they were fun. And overall, that stadium series just kicked ass, man. And I, that's what I want the outdoor games to be. I just want them to be good matchups that kick ass. Because it is one of the few times the NHL gets a chance to shine. And next year is just going to be so underwhelming. Like, I don't even think, because you have the college football playoff again on New Year's Day. I will watch that over the over the Chicago versus St. Louis Winter Classic. I'm just telling you that. Yeah, right it's now. it's just two throwaways of, yeah. of outdoor games. It's just, it's a waste of time. Like, you might as well not even have them next year. 
Yeah. So Columbus fans, I appreciate your devotion to your shit city. Um, but that game's going to suck. And I'm glad you guys get an outdoor game and you can stop bitching because you probably will never get another one. It's like bitching about what the team sucks. Yeah. <laughs> this is what they are. We deserve an outdoor game. We're the most passionate. Shut the fuck up. Like you're not good. Like you're just I, lo- I love baiting you into Ohio talk. Like, it's so funny. It's just such a shithole state, man. Like it just the entire state of Ohio fucking blows. Especially Columbus. Their neighbor to the north, I believe, Cincinnati is a shit show. Um, just the entire state. If we could just vacate a state from America, I think it'd be Ohio. And their fans are just a bunch of fucking crybabies. And deep down, they know that game's going to fucking blow. And even if it is a shitty game, they'll still be on the roof. The atmosphere was great. I don't, I was watching on TV and it sucked. So sorry. Feel better. No, I still like, I'm still just annoyed that people think these games are going to be good. Like it's just, I think think there is a, something a little deeper rooted here. Oh, always. I mean, it's just a shitty city. Like it's, it's literally just a shitty. I think we're learning that this has very little to do with the outdoor game at all. No, it does. You, you have to admit that game's going to fucking blow, dude. (laughs) I, I do, but there's a little more to that. Like the game that'll actually be better than that game will probably be the Michigan Ohio State hockey game they play out there. That will probably be a better hockey game than than that. So, um, I don't know. I just I'm also bitter because the Avs haven't played in one in what four years now, five years by the time this season ends. Yeah, since before the pandemic, like a real outdoor game. Yeah, so 2020, they're one of the best teams in the league. Just give us an outdoor winter classic and just do it in Boulder. Like that is. And have it not suck. Yeah. Have it be a good game. So, yeah, I don't think there was much other NHL news. I could go on for another hour about just. Yeah. There's, a, there's a be. couple things, but we're an hour 10 in this episode. It's one fifteen. I have to go to bed. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. We'll save I'm it for. Uh, we'll save it Friday. We both got to. Well, you have to be up in like five hours. I have to be up in seven. So. Yeah. Let's hop off. Yeah, so I'm going to a hard stop on this one here. We, we've reached our time limit for today. <laughs> and But even still, thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Teledabsidus podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can use promo code Teledabsidus on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. You know, follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at GYoungsNHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.